Welcome to the Italian Wine Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Vinitali International Academy, announcing the 24th of our Italian Wine Ambassador courses to be held in London, Austria, and Hong Kong from the 27th to the 29th of July. Are you up for the challenge of this demanding course? Do you want to be the next Italian Wine Ambassador? Learn more and apply now at vinitaliinternational.com. Welcome to Jumbo Shrimp Wine Study Maps. We have specially created this free content for all our listeners who are studying for wine exams. This has been a journey of development since Stevie Kim discovered Rosie Baker's hand-drawn maps on Instagram through two years of work by our in-house editorial and graphics team, and now the maps are available to purchase in beta form while they undergo the final proofing and editing by our expert advisory board. It's a three-layered project because we know everyone learns differently. We now offer the complete box set of 39 maps, this series of podcasts with the maps narrated by our crack team of wine educators, and finally, the study guide book, which will be published later this year. Our map project is in no way a substitute for the material set out by other educational organizations, but we hope all the wine students out there will find our map project a new, exciting, and useful tool for learning. For more information and to buy the maps, please visit our website at mamajumboshrimp.com. Welcome to the Jumbo Shrimp Wine Study Maps podcast. This episode, we'll be looking at the Southern Rhone map. For the first time in our series exploring the regions of France, we have a Mediterranean climate, so mild winters, warm dry summers, where potentially drought might become an issue. We still have this mistral wind that we've been talking about, but here we don't have the influence of local mountains or the river valley in order to protect the grapes. So we need to start thinking about techniques that grape growers can use to protect the grapes themselves. Thus, we have the introduction of windbreaks into vineyards, or the use of albarello training. In comparison to the northern Rhone, which is a narrow, steep river valley, here in the southern Rhone it is much flatter. It's very hot, and we have very specific stone soils. These really large stones that cover the vineyards, and they absorb heat during the day and bounce it back onto the vines at night, which really aids ripening in particularly the black grape varieties that need heat, such as Grenache and Mourvedre. Also, to some extent, Syrah. Because it is such a dry region and we have these strong winds to take any moisture away from the vines, we do have quite a lot of easy organic production here. As I mentioned in the previous episode, there is a regional appellation for the entire Rhone Valley, which is the Côte de Rhone. Now, although it does cover the entire Rhone Valley, the focus is in the southern Rhone, where it's much easier to grow grapes. More than half of these Côte de Rhone wines are red, but they do also produce rosé and white wines from the local grape varieties. The next step up is the village appellation. So you might see Côte de Rhone village. So grapes being picked from any of the named villages. So just gaining a little bit more intensity and complexity, maybe seeing a little bit of oak use here. And then you will have the villages. So specific villages that have been given their own appellation that can just label with the village name. These are also known as the crews. So for example, you may see just Vacaras or Gigondas on the label. Perhaps the most famous of these villages, these crews, is Chateauneuf-de-Pape. Some villages 
focus on red wine production. Others will have red, white, and rosé. Some focus on just white or rosé. I'm afraid you've got to learn them. So let's take a look at the grape varieties that can be used in this area, and then we'll talk in more detail about some of the specific crews that you will need to know for your exams. Let's start with the most commonly planted, which are the black grape varieties, and starting with Grenache. This is a thin-skinned grape variety that loves heat. Seems a little bit paradoxical, but it loves heat, doesn't really love sunshine, so you have to be a little bit careful of sunburn. It dominates most of the red wines that you find in the Southern Rhone. It is the most widely planted. Uh, it gives concentrated spiced red fruit, uh, also a little bit of white pepper. So really focused on red plum, very, very ripe strawberry and raspberry. The problem is it can accumulate sugar very quickly, therefore producing higher alcohol wines. Can be a little bit baked and jammy, particularly in years where it gets warm very quickly. We often see Grenache in these bush-trained Alberello-style uh, gobelet vines. Uh, this protects them from the winds. It hangs the grapes low to the soil, so low to these big stones that are helping to warm up and ripen them. Next up, we have Syrah. Now, Syrah is used in the Grenache blends to add a little bit more tannin and acidity. It also provides black fruit in contrast to the red fruit of Grenache and black pepper to enhance the white pepper character. It's not suited to the hottest sites, so you have to be a little bit careful where it's planted. Quite often these are still planted in trellises, which means there could be wind damage. Italian Wine Podcast. If you think you love wine as much as we do, then give us a like and a follow anywhere you get your pods. Next up, we have Mourvedre. This is another great variety that loves heat. It is also very deeply colored and highly tannic and gives very dark black fruit, tobacco, and game. And finally, we have Sanso. Now, this is not planted a lot, uh, but it's used in blends to aid with the red fruit profile of Grenache, and it adds a lot of acidity. This is a great variety we're going to see again when we look at the very southern area of France. White varieties down here in the Southern Rhone really echo that that we see in the Northern Rhone, so Viognier, Marsan, Roussan, but we also see the addition of Grenache Blanc. The best white wines here are very richly textured, full-bodied, quite a lot of alcohol, sometimes only medium acidity, and can have some strong peach characters perfume from Viognier, but Grenache Blanc really echoing Roussan in its stone fruit peach nectarine apricot character. Don't see a lot of new oak used on the white wines, but do get some older oak just to add either subtle flavors or some gentle oxygen contact. As we saw in Beaujolais, and also in the discussion of Creuse-Hermitage and Hermitage, one of the key things that really you should be looking out for in questions about the Southern Rhone are those about differences in style. So thinking about the difference between Côte de Rhone, regional Appalachian-level wines, and crew-level wines, such as Chateauneuf-de-Pape. Also, quite often you have questions about some of the Appalachians that focus on wines that are not red. For example, it's really important that you don't forget about rosé production here. For example, Tavel, possibly the most famous Appalachian for rosé, uh, and also Lirac produces whites, rosés, and reds, but can have a focus on rosé sometimes. 
Why rosé? Well, Grenache, being thin-skinned, low tannin, is really suitable for the production of rosé. So you can leave it in contact with the skins during fermentation and gain lots of fruit flavour, but less tannins and colour. Because you have the potential sugar, therefore alcohol accumulation in Grenache, then you also tend to have full-bodied wines, sometimes a little bit age-worthy, specifically in Tavelle. Problems with Grenache's acidity are often balanced in rosé blends by using Sanso. So let's just spend a small amount of time discussing these crew wines and the differences between the crew wines and the Côte de Rhone Appalachian wines or the Côte de Rhone Village wines. So the key crew wines that you need to know for your level three, let's start with Gigondas and Vacaras. These are long-standing crew status wines, Grenache blends, full-bodied and spicy. They're similar in style to Chateauneuf de Pape, but tend to be a little bit more affordable because they are lesser known. Chateauneuf de Pape is the most famous Appalachian in the Southern Rhone, if not France, and was the first Appalachian Controle to be recognized. It's really known as a brand name as much as an Appalachian Controle. In fact, it is the largest crew in the Rhone Valley, and therefore there is a lot of variation in quality and price between producers, even if the blends are very similar. There are 13 different grape varieties grown here. Don't worry, you don't need to know all of them, but they tend to be Grenache dominated. They're also full-bodied, powerful, high-alcohol wines with great suitability for aging, gaining this gamey, meaty quality, lots of mouvet giving tobacco here. All three of these crews producing full-bodied, spicy, age-worthy wines with lots of intensity and complexity, potentially high alcohol, high tannin, high acidity. A complete contrast with the wines of the Côte de Rhone Regional Appalachian, which tend to be soft and fruity, lighter bodied, low to medium tannin, a little bit higher acidity potentially here, mostly because the fruit intensity is less, therefore the acidity tends to be more noticeable. Not really suitable for aging, these will be drunk young, uh, they are inexpensive, often simple blends. One of the reasons behind asking about the differences between the Cru wines and the regional Appalachian Côte de Rhone wines is thinking about winemaking techniques and those that you might use in the two different styles. For example, potentially using some of these carbonic or semi-carbonic maceration styles in the Côte de Rhone Appalachian to produce light, fruity, low tannin wines, easy drinking, lots of stainless steel, because you want to be able to temperature control to contain freshness in the wines. In contrast to the crew wines, where you might be thinking about ways to extract more tannin, more color, more flavor. So thinking about pre-fermentation maceration, post-fermentation maceration, pumping over, punching down, also using oak, uh, open fermentation, lots of different things to gain increased levels of complexity and depth in the wines, and also structure to aid in ageworthiness. Join me in the next episode, where we're going to be talking about the south of France. Thanks for listening to this episode of Italian Wine Podcast, brought to you by Vinitaly Academy, home of the gold standard of Italian wine education. Do you want to be the next ambassador? Apply online at vinitalyinternational.com for courses in London, Austria, and Hong Kong, the 27th to the 29th of July. Remember to subscribe and like Italian Wine Podcast and catch us on SoundCloud, Spotify, and wherever you get your pods.
You can also find our entire back catalog of episodes at italianwinepodcast.com. Hi guys, I'm Joy Livingston and I am the producer of the Italian Wine Podcast. Thank you for listening. We are the only wine podcast that has been doing a daily show since the pandemic began. This is a labor of love and we are committed to bringing you free content every day. Of course, this takes time and effort, not to mention the cost of equipment, production and editing. We would be grateful for your donations, suggestions, requests and ideas. For more information on how to get in touch, go to Italian Wine Podcast.